Welcome. Good evening. Welcome to the second Great Transformation session. This evening, we're focusing on food parks, promising land coalitions. I'm Joachim de Klerk, member of Architecture Workroom, but Architecture Workroom is as itself member of a bigger coalition that launched the societal initiative, the Great Transformation 2020-2030. The need we felt collectively to bundle forces, to build an environment, a societal workspace, where we could look at the big challenges we're facing, but also at the many experiments that there are, and try to see if we can mainstream transitions, because otherwise we can keep on talking or drawing plans, making agreements about big goals, but we need to bring them to the street, to our neighborhoods, to our landscapes, especially today, uh, and to our direct environment. If we can change our direct environment together, we can really make uh, a multiplication and an acceleration in our transition. That is the great transformation. What do we do? We bring together, in a process scheme, we will be working uh, with many stakeholders, bringing together the existing expertise, bundling that, and making sure we move slowly, we design acceleration strategies. We move step by step between 2020 and 2030. But we start from, uh, together with a big group, we started by designing an agenda. With everything we know, with everything that has been tested over the past years, can we design maybe or decide which types of projects, transversal projects, could be launched over the coming years, could be realized over the coming years? Food parks, energy districts, climate streets, and many others. An agenda of 10 projects was made by a coalition of 2030 specialists in order to make sure that we can name where we have to, where we can really generate the changes in our direct environment with effects on the economy, effects on the ecology, and effects in social terms, in local welfare that we can generate. But we don't start with this initiative. The last thing we do is to start from scratch. The initiative starts from everything that has already been tested. In fact, there's a field of experiments, of innovations, of breakthroughs that has been te being tested, and in the platform also brings them to the fore. Starts, stands on the shoulders of everything that has been tested to make the next step, to identify where there are walls to be broken, where things are blocked, transitions are blocked, but also where there are maybe key insights that we can multiply to make the next step. The key approach of the great transformation is to not think the big challenges from a top-down view, from a helicopter view, but to start, in fact, uh, at eye level, start in the streets. And on the online platform, you can also find portraits, portraits of farmers, of energy uh, uh, experts, but also especially of people doing the transformations, realizing the transformations on the ground. And this eye-level perspective is crucial. It's there where it becomes tangible, where big transitions, the lasagna of all the challenges we are facing becomes tangible and also makes clear that we can actually make a jump in quality in our direct uh, environment. The Great transformi Transformation is a community. It's a community of very different capacities, experts, uh, economists, sociologists, anthropologists, designers, people active in local initiatives and people active in governance and government. By grouping these expertise, by bringing these expertise together, connecting them, we can actually make the next step. Everybody in his corner has a lot of expertise, but we bring them together. It's a program of debates, of workshops, um, and we try to actually make sure that we actually <coughs> activate um, uh, the coalitions that we want to build. It's an agenda, hence, of activities. And it's also an open platform. 
you can join us, uh, the Great Transformation, join the initiative, take initiative with the platform of the Great Transformation as your infrastructure. We want to make sure that, in fact, this becomes an environment where these transversal coalitions that we need to make the transitions, to realize the transitions, can be built, can be tested, where explorations can be made. And this is made possible by many partners, um, from the Flemish government, the Brussels government, the Dutch government, to the partnership with the new European Bauhaus. Welcome to this second Great Transformation session. Tonight, we will dive into one of those experiments, the experiment on food parks, where within this bigger environment and with the infrastructure of the Great Transformation, a test is being made, a test into which coalitions can we build in order to make more space for sustainable agriculture, knowing that there's a tension between the access to land, having land to perform agriculture, and the desire of farmers and also the difficulty of farmers to reach uh, this land, but also the desire to, to find that uh, space. We will have a conversation tonight with very different expertises. As last week, when we launched the Great Transformation as a societal workspace, we had a video maker, a TV maker, an economist. Today, actually, we have, again, a diverse panel uh, around our table. Welcome to each of you, Tim Soons, environmental historian, University of Antwerp. That's correct. Welcome. I'm looking forward. What do you expect of this conversation? Um, I'm a bit with the odd one out because I look at the past and you all look at the future. So I hope we can reconnect in a way the future to the past. And I think there is a lot in the past which might inspire the future when we are dealing with uh, agriculture and future land uses. That's exactly why we invited you, because when you intervene in the conversation, it's mostly with an underpinning from the past, saying that things actually worked and they might inspire us uh, oh, to, to jump over this uh, period. Yeah. Kurt, Kurt Sannen, who is a farmer. You told us uh, when you arrived that you had to jump off your uh, tractor um, in one of the first, on one of the first uh, sunny and dry days of the season. So you were actually quite angry when you arrived. I'm exaggerating a little <laughs> bit. Um, but you were also happy, you said, to, to enter a debate again. You are, on the one hand, a farmer, uh, a biological farmer, a bullhouse, but you're also an advisor to other farmers on their business model. Looking forward to this, to this conversation already, from the past to new models. You are testing models, also advising farmers on models. What do you expect from this conversation? Well, I hope to be inspired and bring this inspiration again back to farmers and make it happen on uh, these farms, but I hope I can inspire too uh, the discussion uh, in, in this debate about how can be the future of uh, our, our open space, space, our rural areas of agriculture in it and how it is, is intervene with all other kind of functions in, um, in, in the rural areas. Yeah, great, looking forward. And then we uh, have you, Shera, Shera van der Witteboer, um, educated as a landscape architect, but now, over the past years, advisor rural environment and heritage um, in the Board of Government Advisors in Dutch College van der Rijksadviseurs in the Netherlands, mm -hmm. where over the past years there has been a real focus on the position of farming open space in the broader future of the Netherlands with an interesting publication, Rijk uh, Boerenlandschap, uh, Rich Farmers Landscape, a new deal between the farmer and society. 
looking forward to, ex to hear your experiences because you have been working from a policy advisory eh, and also provoca provoking maybe new policies with local farmers and other policy uh, uh, entrepreneurs, you could say. Um, what are you expecting from this conversation? We are very happy you're here. Uh, I hope to bring uh, experiences uh, from the Netherlands uh, and connect them with the experiences uh, here in uh, Belgium. Great. Looking forward. As you see, we are looking, we're coming from the past, we're coming from the tractor, and we're coming from the Netherlands. These are three very interesting places uh, to bring together, but also mm -hmm. different perspectives that hopefully add up, uh, show a potential. As I said earlier, this um, uh, great transformation session focuses on food parks, and it's not a conversation only. We're in the midst of a work in progress, an exploration on whether food parks could be a strategy, a, a future project, un grand chantier, something we invest in, because if we do so, we might actually open up spaces together with landowners and farmers that are looking for space for more uh, locations. And to explain and bring us into this exploration, tonight we're opening also the, the, second, the first topical page, uh, the, first, the first future place uh, on the online platform of the Great Transformation on food parks. And to allow us to do this, one of the people who was uh, involved uh, on building this and who is involved, deeply involved in the exploration on food parks is uh, Bram uh, van der Mortel. And he is actually uh, sitting uh, at a special table, um, <laughs> the table of the explorer. Um, and this explorer table uh, will be the place from where actually, yeah, step by step tonight, the online platform will be opened up pieces will be put back to our table for the conversation. And hopefully this will inspire us, as uh, each of you uh, hoped to be inspired and give back inspiration. Um, Bram, can I ask you maybe to, do, to make a first uh, step uh, with presenting a first element from this online platform? Yes, thank you. Um, I'm happy to be a sidekick to this uh, debate. And as Joachim said, I have uh, the uh, extreme honor to open up the first uh, workspace uh, on this online platform. If all goes well, uh, we're online uh, today on uh, food parks. Um, it's, as Joachim also mentioned, uh, a growing platform. So it's very much the start, um, the first hypothesis uh, where which we uh, started from. And for food parks, it's how do we organize a new interplay uh, between land position and land use uh, to create more space uh, for a healthy, profitable, and affordable food production and a climate-resistant uh, landscape. Um, I hope this works, yes. Um, um, Kurt also mentioned that we're now actually opening the workspace of um, food parks with two of his most fav uh, favorite cows, uh, Michel on the left and uh, Kuhn on the right. Um, uh, he, yeah, he recognized them just before uh, entering um, the studio. Um, but why a food park? I will maybe start with a, a shared observation that we had um, with many uh, others, is that today uh, various actors um, are looking for news, new ways to put locally produced foods uh, on the map, both local demand as eaters and consumers, but also international targets like the SDG goals, uh, but also the recent uh, farm-to-fork strategy um, are the roots uh, of the desired transition uh, to shorter uh, food chain chains. At the same time, however, this is a, a picture taken randomly uh, in Flanders. It could, uh, in a sense, be anywhere. Uh, agricultural land is becoming increasingly uh, scarce um, due to uh, nature expansion, 
uh, but also climatic, uh, climate, climatic excuse me, challenges such as uh, flooding, uh, droughts, in, in, uh, increasingly, or erosion. Uh, the idea that any form of agriculture is still possible anywhere is uh, no longer valid, you could state. Um, on the other hand, agriculture land is also an interesting investment, both for farmers, obviously, but also increasingly for non-farmers. Up to 20% uh, of fertile agriculture land in Flanders is in use by other sectors, such as uh, recreation, housing, infrastructure, energy production, um, and so on. Um, and the increasing number of claims on that farming land uh, is reducing the supply of land for food production. And as a result, also the uh, prices of land are skyrocketing. Uh, this is a problem for farmers uh, just starting out uh, or even wanting to expand. Um, you see on the scheme here on the left, uh, two uh, graphs. Um, it's not uh, scientifically correct, but in a way it shows that the land price is nowadays um, always more than the revenue of one farmer over a, a complete career. So that's a, a shift we went through and it's almost impossible nowadays to recuperate investments um, in land over an entire career. So a big question uh, I want to pose back to the panel of uh, four. Uh, land ownership is under pressure, uh, under pressure in the agricultural sector and the future use of land for food production is in that sense uncertain. Thank you, Bram, for this first uh, step uh, in the platform, the hypothesis, which poses a question, and we will try to build on that uh, question, as also the online platform uh, tries to uh, make feasible. How do we organize a new interplay between these landowners' land uh, uh, positions and the land users, the farmers uh, on that land? I'm curious, Shera, because you, you come, let's maybe start uh, uh, in the Netherlands. Um, do you recognize this this? analysis where actually the, yeah, the, the future of farming, eh, the fact that we want more locally produced food, hits a boundary, hits a, a, a real challenge, which is the, the access to land. Is that similar in the Netherlands? It's, it's very similar. Um, the uh, prices of land in the Netherlands are uh, very high. It's an average of 64,000 per hectare. And uh, when farmers have the land, it's okay, but when they have to, uh, want to expand or uh, if, the, uh, if they want to start mm -hmm. uh, afresh, um, they have to invest a lot of money. <coughs> and uh, when you want to um, uh, make that happen, um, you have to intensify. And that uh, hits with uh, our, our goals of uh, making it more uh, um sustainable. sustainable. So there's only one way we pushed our farmers, and that is intensify even more. Mm -hmm. And so the system when in which they find themselves is actually pushing in that one direction, while actually another model is viable, you would say. There's also, uh, we will come back to that. Maybe... Um, Maybe Kurt, can you, do you recognize this situation? You advise also farmers? I saw you uh, confirming, nodding uh, your head when, when... Yes, yes, this, this is, uh, of course, very recognizable. I, I should almost say this is an open door. Indeed. Uh, we, we know this. This is reality uh, for agriculture and for farmers in, in uh, a lot of countries in Europe, in the Netherlands, but also Denmark, Southwest England. Uh, it's not only in Flanders uh, like this. And this, this is um, a threat, a threat for us, 
farmers yeah. because, like you said, it seems to be that there's only one solution, and that is grow, becoming bigger, becoming more um, industrialized, intensified uh, agriculture. And um, but also this is um, a threat for for all people who um, need the rural areas because these rural areas are not just for fun, not just for food production. They give us so many ecosystem services. They give us so many uh, profits mm -hmm. that you already mentioned here. There's so much interest in that agricultural land in the, those rural areas because they have so much to do, so much. That is important over there. There's so much value over there, except food production. And it's it's uh, the, the, the economy is, is is very difficult. The way we have organized mm -hmm. the economy, and, and uh, I'm a fan of Hayun Chang saying, uh, economy is um, for 90% uh, common sense, and economy is not a science, but it's politics. Mm -hmm. And so, what is economy mm -hmm. is organizing the, 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 the setting the rules in mm -hmm. who gets the money and who is not getting the money that's economy well the, these rules are uh, creating a non-sustainable rural area Indeed. and um, and this is bad for us farmers we don't have a good income but our rural areas are under threat because of um, nitrogen, because of uh, biodiversity loss, um, phosphate, uh, other kinds of pollution, whatever. So, yeah, there is a big question in mm -hmm. that rural land. How can we make this, like you said, more sustainable so we will have food for everyone here and in the south, now and in, in the future? without ruining our planet. But, but wait, you're, you're actually s you're saying we have enormous challenges in the rural countryside. We're having this conversation not only for the farming community tonight, mm -hmm. we're also trying to, to grasp this challenge uh, from a planning perspective, from a more societal perspective, uh, from an ecological perspective. You're actually saying all of these challenges are there, but you're also saying, I think, Shera, that the farmer is in the good position to actually help address these these problems, but is not given access. Can you maybe access to land? Eh? Access to eh? has no access. Not given access. Does not have the capacity to uh, enter uh, uh, these lands because of the price uh, mm -hmm. uh, of land. Can, can you maybe also explain that locally? Because with the Bolhas, you yep. are you are active uh, on your own land, but not only on your own land. Can you maybe well? Make that uh, I'm I'm a farmer with almost no land. I think I have one or two hectares, but I have a farm mm -hmm. with um, 100, 120 hectares of land. It's, it seems to be impossible, but um, <coughs> it is possible. I work together with um, Flemish Nature Government, Agentschap voor Natuur en Bos, and with uh, a nature protection organization, an NGO, Natuurpunt. They manage land for nature conservation, for biodiversity, and that land needs to be managed. Mm -hmm. And that's how they found me and asked, can you manage this land for us? So I'm working on their nature reserves. Mm -hmm. my, my sheep, my, my cattle is grazing there. I'm, I was just mowing it today, um, mowing the land. <coughs> and so those biodiversity goals, mm -hmm. I help them realizing them. But on the same hand, um, my my uh, animals have feet, and I can grow meat, and I can, produ can produce food which can be sold locally to people who wants to eat. My so meat. it's also an economic 
logic for it's you? It's an economical business model, and that's which, which is important if we want to change something in agriculture, you need to have an attractive business model mm -hmm. which farmers can say, hmm, that's something for mm -hmm. me. Great, it makes it clear by zooming in, it makes it clear what, what the real challenge is. We're not connecting land ownership to, be to, to the farming activity by finding new constellations. That's actually what we will be focusing on uh, all night. Tim, um, as a historian, you promised us to, to maybe look back and look ahead. One of the things you, you said at a certain moment is uh, all land used to be food land. Um, that's yeah. not completely how we would look at things uh, today. Can you maybe explain or pick up that quote? Absolutely, to I think uh, looking for food parks, especially in a, in a sort of densely populated and early urbanized environment as the low countries, yeah. food was produced everywhere. So there was no land which did not produce food in one way or another. Um, what I found interesting in, in, in uh, the discussion is that, well, uh, this basic problem of, of, of this high land price, um, in fact, in, in, in our region, land has always been very expensive. So farmers always paid up to 40% of their gross yield when they were uh, cultivating uh, wheat or mm -hmm. uh, up to 40% they could afford for the rent of the land. Uh, so that means that's only possible in a situation you manage relatively small plots of land in a very intensive, productive way. Mm -hmm. And you combine that, the private land, with other food producing land, which is not completely your private property, but on which you have entitlements, rights, and from which you get also food. So, what we're discussing is actually very recognizable. It's very you. recognizable, of course, before, it's still recognizable in the 1950s. The average farm size in the 1950s in Belgium was about five, six hectares or 10 perhaps already, it goes quick, but that's, today it's 30, which is still on the European scale, it's still nothing. So that's what makes it interesting in a, in a, in a region of dense population, of <laughs> um, incredibly, incredible demand for land for all kinds of functions, the, the, the mainstream way of, of, of scale enlargement of farming, well, I don't see how it's possible. And in the past, it's, it's only experimented in a very short period after the Second World War. Belgium, the Netherlands, we all follow the same European pattern. But of course, here, the limits were reached much earlier because you didn't have this phased amount of space. Interesting. So, so you're saying, at a certain moment, I was thinking, are you going towards the nostalgic argument, you could say? Eh? Uh, before, it was better because it was more adapted. But you're actually saying, in this environment, uh, and it's maybe good to, to pick up the map uh, uh, we have and sh mm -hmm. show it uh, also to the, the people at home. The map we also have behind us here uh, uh, at the table. Um, you're saying actually because of the, the densely urbanized environment mm -hmm. where we are urbanizing on a very, yeah, let's say, wet uh, uh, wetland um, where we're trying to uh, combine nat natural functions, food producing functions, economic functions and, and living uh, uh, housing, that in fact 
the idea of smaller scale also makes that you have to deal with all kinds of challenges. And this map actually is an attempt to actually depict also that. Eh? The fact that you, um, the, the green, uh, the darker uh, areas. Maybe Bram, can you explain? Yes, uh, what you see here in this map is that both uh, yellow and uh, blue-greenish is um, farmland that was zoned in the 1970s. Um, but what you see in the blue-greenish is um, what we've called contested land. It's uh, farming land where there are external pressures on. Um, the pressures are very diverse. It's both a pressure due to uh, ecological uh, targets, uh, Natura 2000, so European target goals, but also residential expansion, uh, non-productive land use, so uh, agriculture land that is still officially agriculture land but is not used for food production anymore or land that has a high risk zone for uh, flooding and erosion. So um, external uh, pressures to what is uh, traditionally known as uh, extremely large uh, agriculture area, but uh, increasingly uh, facing external pressures. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So the, the, the Kurt, you wanted to react immediately? Well, th this, this map is, of course, extremely interesting and, and, and is telling us a lot. And, and I was looking at this map and uh, saying, yeah, it's, it's not a coincidence that, that I'm doing, uh, together with my friends of MikoEffect, uh, some project exactly in those contested lands. And, and that gives uh, a very nice example how, uh, yeah, how we can give future to farmers in those areas, not fighting against these constraints, but just using them as, as um, how do you say that in English, have bomb? Uh, as a lever. Lever uh, to make it happen for us as farmers and, and to create future again. So yeah, maybe this can be a very interesting map and saying these are the, the places where we should uh, work hard and, and work good. Is, uh, is this also recognizable in the Netherlands? I'm curious because I know there's a lot, there's a lot more green-blue services are supported in the Netherlands. It's more, we are, let's say, there's a support to farmers that are also performing other activities than farming on their own land. Is, is this recognizable? Well, in, in the Netherlands, we have uh, uh, a spatial planning history where we, we have worked with a, a Costco model mm. um, where uh, you had... Uh, Zoning, in fact. Zoning for, for nature, zoning for agriculture. Yeah. Uh, we also try to confine our, our cities. Um, so it's not... It's a real separation model, It's a real say. separation this model. This is agriculture yeah. for intensification, and this is the zone where biodiversity should be maximum. Yes, but uh, it, is, it is a model that is not working, because... And uh, why? Can you explain why? Uh, when, when you uh, place a boundary uh, around nature, you can say that's for nature, that's for agricultural uh, use, but nature does not uh, um, uh, respect these res boundaries. Respect yeah. these boundaries, and and also the agricultural use uh, has an impact mm -hmm. on nature. Mm -hmm. uh, the emissions uh, um, on, on uh, a lot of ways it, it's impacting nature. And uh, so it's it's a, it's a model that it's not mm -hmm. working anymore. Um, I think it, it has never worked. Uh, it, it's good to say this is nature, but you cannot expect to have uh, separate uh, zonings. Uh, zonings. In fact, yeah. yes. so in fact, this, this, this the layers that that come on top, the, the challenges that come on top, drought, water, uh, pollution of soil, quality of soils 
are becoming crucial and make it in actually necessary to also adapt the business model of farming, the, the type of crops, to make sure that soils are recomposed and so on. So I, I understand that actually we're seeing a space, can I, can I form it like this, that we, in this very densely urbanized environment of both the Netherlands, Flanders, Belgium, we see a space where there is actually an impossibility to retreat from the complexity, where, where it's, it, we need to actually deal with the water challenges, drought challenges, the links with the environment, with, with the society, the people living there, and that actually you see a potential there for, uh, for farming. Can I say it like this? Would you recognize mm -hmm. this? Yes, and in that way, zoning would be a sort of short, uh, short phase in the history of uh, 2,000 years of agriculture uh, in, in, in this part of Europe, where they briefly experimented with separating all these functions. They said, well, it didn't work, and now we're going back to the normal situation where functions are mixed and, and um, people are not. You cannot separate nature, you cannot separate settle, uh, residential functions. Um, I see the biggest problem in the discussions in the nature, uh, uh, the, the aims of, 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 of nature, of course, which argues that without big wilderness, you cannot at obtain every um, level, of biodiversity. level of biodiversity and every goal you can. We can, we should green agricultural spaces, we should green residential spaces, but you will always need, and that you see also on the map, you always need these spaces where nature, biodiversity is coming first, and, and that's a difficult one, I think. Mm -hmm. Especially in, 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 in a densely populated region as, as ours, um, because you can make uh, another map like yeah. this about our threatened biodiversity. Mm -hmm. And then that map would also look uh, like that. And reality is, and I totally agree with, with your analysis, saying separating all these functions is, is not working and is a waste of space. It's much more effective if we could put all the functions we need in uh, in space, uh, same for yeah. a city as, as in the rural areas. The ecological services, yeah. the food producing, the yeah. Put all these the, these functions mm -hmm. together, not in a micmac and making it grey, but in in, in in a smart way, combining good functions, uh, in, in 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 an innovative way, and that's possible. So you don't need to combine everything, but if you're smart, you can combine a lot. Like for instance, on my farm, there is a valley. That valley is uh, water storage. Then the city nearby is not flooding in winter time. It's also water infiltration. A little bit further away, we have tap water from that water infiltrating in my valley. It's of course a nature reserve. There's a lot of biodiversity. Mm -hmm. It's a food production area because it's my land as a farmer and mm -hmm. I produce food there. There is um, uh, space for pollination. There is space for, for people who come to recreate there. So you see all these functions can come together, but, and that's important, you need uh, a kind of a, a director, you need a kind of rules uh, about how can we use these uh, open areas without ruining it. And then I refer to, to history, to the tragedy mm -hmm. of the commons. In, in, in history, you were telling it right, everywhere there was food produced. And you had that common lands owned by the community, and farmers could let the... Um, uh, their, their animals graze there, 
uh, the, the, it's now the nature reserves with, with more land mm -hmm. and, and, and those grasslands that were the common lands from the past. And that system collapsed here in our countries because of, yeah, if I'm a farmer, I have the right to put there three cows and you have two cows and you made five. And if we keep us to the rules, it's okay. But if I put one car more, I have 20% more profit. And you do the same, and you do the same. And then this was overgrazed, and then it stopped. Mm -hmm. So you need to have rules that we, as human beings, are not ruining our, uh, our environment. And that's, I think, a big challenge. Mm -hmm. Can I just intervene? Because you're completely right that, um, about the commons, and th which need regulation. But there's one point I have to make, is that most historical commons worked perfectly because the rules were there and people knew how much cows they could put on the pasture and they would not exceed this because they, their children and their grandchildren, they needed that common as well. So the, the incentive to, mm -hmm. to put an extra cow was mostly very limited. The commons did disappear, but in most cases not because they were overexploited, it's because they were no longer allowed, so their legal base was destroyed. French mm -hmm. Revolution, modernization, privatization. That's the real tragedy of the commons, that they were no longer allowed. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot of common studies, of course, uh, today, and, and what you see is, whether it's a fishery or a mountain pasture, or it was the campine heathland areas, they all worked perfectly. There was almost no problem of trespassing of over-exploitation, as long as you have a community of users with clear rules and also a community which had a long-term interest in using that particular land, not just for one year, not just for one generation, no. Mm -hmm. They had the idea, we will stay here for the rest of our lives. Clear? I think <laughs> a first round, actually, we, we, we went deep into uh, but Bolha has uh, twice we actually situated this. We have a challenge that land is very expensive. It's for farming practices very difficult to access uh, land for new farmers or farmers that want to grow a little bit. Um, at the same time, a lot of land is under more and more different types of pressure, uh, different needs, different services need to be performed by this land from energy production to water management to uh, pollination, biodiversity, which opens up a space. So we have a conflict, you could say. There's, but we also have an opportunity, at, on the other hand. There's many practices experimenting with new models. Uh, we will maybe dive into that in a moment. And there's also new alliances, the, the way you are working with uh, nature uh, uh, administration, but also uh, organization. But there's also other uh, owners of land, which maybe offer us an opportunity to look ahead. There's the, the, if ownership is not the beginning and end of farming, isn't there then uh, a new space we can explore? Maybe that's, that's where we will focus on. But first we go to a second um, element um, of the online platform, diving into the very concrete portraits, people who are ex telling their, about their experiences and asking questions to how maybe the system might change or help them. Bram. Yes. 
Um, for those of you who were here last week or joined the live stream last week, you've already met uh, Mika de Bruyne of Woesteinves, who we invited to um, make a documentary series on um, perspective from eye levels. And also uh, for food parks, this was the case. We could have shown you the clip of Kurt. So for those of you who can't get enough of Kurt after tonight, uh, you can uh, see his interview uh, on the platform. Um, but tonight we maybe want to take you um, or invite you to join us and go to the greater area of Ghent, where we will meet uh, the community-supported agriculture farmer Benny of, uh, um, sorry, uh, Ronnie of uh, Oogstgoed. Een CSA-boerderij is een uh, boerderij uh, waarbij de leden, deelnemers, uh, per jaar op voorhand betalen voor uh, de oogst. Dus de, onze deelnemers betalen voor een eerlijk loon voor ons en dragen mee ons mee het risico, wat dat ook schoon is. En dat in tegenstelling tot een boer, dat als, er, uh, als het een keer te warm, te heet of te, te nat is en zijn oogst mislukt, nou, dan staat hij daar, bij ons wordt dat opgevangen. We hebben daarvoor geen uh, nood aan rampenfondsen om dat, om dat op te lossen als, als er een probleem is. Op het moment dat uh, corona toesloeg, de eerste lockdown, dat ook de verschillende landen in Europa helemaal uh, uh, gelokt werden, uh, zijn er een paar alarmbellen afgegaan boven het ministerie van Landbouw, waarbij men zich wel zorgen begon te maken over oei, oei gaan we iedereen van voedsel kunnen voorzien, omdat typisch heel veel van ons voedsel wordt ingevoerd. CSA's in de rand van de stad is eigenlijk ideaal voor de lokale voedselproductie. De obstakels om meer CSA-bedrijven te hebben zijn heel duidelijk. In Gent loopt het vol van potentiële boeren en boerinnen die een CSA willen starten, maar ze geraken niet aan grond. De huidige pachtwet zorgt ervoor dat die grond in eigendom blijft van oudere boeren die verder gaan met hun uh, vleesproductie en typisch vooruitvoer allemaal. Als er al grond vrijkomt, dan uh, wordt, is dat typisch heel duur. De, de prijzen gaan tegenwoordig uh, hoger dan 100.000 euro per hectare. Uh, dat kan je bijna niet terugverdienen. We zijn geen uh, anonieme winkel. Onze samenleving vereenzaamt meer en meer, hè, wordt onpersoonlijker. En wij zijn, een, we zijn eigenlijk een common ook, hè, zoals het ook uh, wel gezegd wordt. Een common een, 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 waar wij een groep van mensen hebben wat de bedoeling is dat ze elkaar leren kennen inderdaad. En die dan rekening houden met elkaar. Dat als er nog twee sla staan op het bed en uh, je hebt de week daarvoor al veel sla gehad, dat je zoiets hebt van ik ga hem laten voor iemand anders die komt. En dat is, dat is ook het heel schone eigenlijk aan het systeem eigenlijk. That's, uh... Uh, a clear statement. Ronnie uh, explains it actually very well. Um, there will be really innovation needed uh, on organizing the access to land. And th these, this is a, an, an example of something that starts to work. It's one of the examples. It's a specific one, a CSA, a Community Supported Agriculture. Um, but at the same time, there's many other examples. Uh, and maybe we, we let's dive maybe into those. Uh, he also mentions the Pachtwet, uh, so the law. Um, uh, the legal framework that allows and does not allow uh, other things. We will maybe come back to that uh, later, but I would like to go to, the, to you, Shera, um, uh, because we asked everyone to also bring uh, something to the table, um, each of the speakers, uh, and we're very uh, curious to hear what it is, but I'm thinking that I can see what you brought because I recognize certain of the, of the publications. 
you've done a lot of work with the uh, government advisors in, in finding those experiments, those practices uh, that are everywhere, and put them also on a stage, you could say, eh, to, to see what, we, what they could be. Could you maybe give an example? There was also a question on the Vimeo. What about Land van Ons, uh, for example? Eh, can you maybe start there? Or uh, Land van Ons is a, a very good exam example. Uh, we also have Hereboeren, Weiland, uh, Aardbeer, um, Commonlands, uh, who uh, is yeah. working uh, uh, on a uh, worldwide uh, scale, but also in the Netherlands. Um, something like ons, uh, Land van Ons, um, they buy land. Who is they here? They are uh, people who want to invest in the soil. Yeah. It can be anyone, it can be you, it can be me. Citizens, uh, so not, not large landowners, but groups of people. Mostly groups of people, uh, and you can invest in, in land. Uh, it can be uh, a small amount of money, but you can also invest uh, a, a lot if you want. Yeah. But you're investing not in uh, the, the uh, financial return uh, only, but you invest in uh, making the land uh, better again, mm -hmm. Re regenerative uh, uh Agriculture. Agriculture. Improving the soil quality. Improving the soil yeah. quality and they also, uh, 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 well, they, they, they experiment uh, and uh, try to find out what is the best way to make yeah. the soil healthy again. Yeah. And uh, we also have uh, hereboeren. Um, and in mm -hmm. that uh, case, uh, uh, consumers, civilians, they buy land and they hire a farmer mm -hmm. to uh, produce food for them. Mm -hmm. And they also help themselves. So there's actually, th there's many examples, or there's a, do you see a new movement is maybe a big word or a kind of... Uh, well, I, I can say it, it, it is a movement. It's not that very big yet. Uh, it only goes, uh, it, it's, it's about small amounts of, uh, of land, uh, but it is a movement. And it's uh, maybe expressing the, the need for uh, a different way of thinking. Mm -hmm. About farming. So, you, so actually you say there are... And also a responsibility of the consumers. Yeah, to, to enter the cycle, in fact, instead of only consuming, to enter the, to the cycle. But what, you're, what, we l what we discussed just before, there are many challenges that come together, so we will need another business model. The access to land is problematic, but you're actually showing us examples, and maybe it's interesting to show also what you brought, uh, where this, this land, is or uh, land access is organized in another way. So space is opened for the right for land restoration, soil restoration, but also for farming practices. It's interesting if we can combine this, and the slogan of last week was the next big thing will be a lot of small things. If we would do this in many places, it would well, maybe I, I can I can start with this one. This is this is uh, the book uh, uh, Boer doet leven. A farmer uh, allows to live. Uh, or? Allows uh, uh, to live. Yes. Uh, the initiative has been taken by the previous uh, government advisor for the landscape, Bernard Strootman. Yeah. Um, and uh, this book portrays farmers in the Netherlands uh, in the Netherlands who. Um, farm in a specific way that produce landscape. Of course, 
farmers always produce landscape, uh, but the, the landscape, the, the f intensified farming is mm. producing is uh, uh, not the kind of landscape that mm -hmm. we love and uh, produces a lot of biodiversity. Those farmers do. Yeah. And so you say that the more intensive use of the landscape is not really regenerative. Those lands landscape, those farmers, sorry, contribute to a regenerative landscape, a landscape that actually is... A Maybe you can say it are farmers like Kurt. Yeah. Um, and uh, they, they try to be... Uh, uh, they try to, to uh, develop uh, mm -hmm. short ch uh, chain supplies. They have yeah. uh, their own uh, products that they sell directly to consumers. Uh, they uh, work together with... Uh, uh, for example, Natuur Monument of mm -hmm. Staatsbosbeheer or uh, water uh, authorities. Um, and they try uh, to make a business model that um, uh, allows them to uh, mm -hmm. extensify. Mm -hmm. And in this book, uh, for every farmer, there's a, 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 portrait. A, a, a portrait, but they also mention how much the annual return is. And uh, some farmers do make a, a good living out of it, mm -hmm. but a lot of them, they are just Have difficulties. satisfied with uh, a low income. Yep. They are very passionate about the landscape. Um, I think it's great people like them exist, but if we, have if the, if we want to uh, make it an example for the, 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 f the farming uh, uh, business, then it, it should be upscaled. And there you come to a crucial question. You said the, the way of organizing us uh, in more collective ways, uh, the commons was mm -hmm. mentioned, using land that is not your ownership, that this is not made possible. You're actually saying we need a broader, f the, the all of these practices, it's also what the, what Ronnie uh, just explained is we need, we don't have a framework within which we fit. Um, uh, maybe, uh, Tim, can you maybe enlighten us with, with a more historical perspective? Because we see that mm -hmm. there's a lot of conversation about new landowners, but also landowners that seem to possess more land than we ever thought. Uh, city authorities, um, new landowners that, yeah, that invest Absolutely. in land. Um, do you, can you see historical examples where this, this idea that the farmer can only farm where he owns the land is contradicted and where we can maybe learn from other uh, examples? Absolutely. Um, if you see the, the big historical cities uh, all over Europe, they own typically thousands of hectares still today of agricultural land, a legacy which dates back often straight away to the Middle Ages, seven mm -hmm. centuries old, city of Ghent, 1,500 hectares, Brussels even more. This, and this is a sense of these urban institutions, they acquired lands throughout the ages and they often had a sort of long-term working relationship with farmers. Um, which did not equal the sort of security of tenure farmers are looking for, because a big problem from the point of view from of the farmer always was, okay, this is nice, I can use this land, mm -hmm. but how long will I use it mm -hmm. if it's not my property? And you see that these 
urban institutions which often owned these hundreds of hectares of land, they of course, these institutions also worked for eternity, often also from a religious perspective, but also because institutions didn't die. So they had all the interest in developing a sort of long-term working relationship with their tenant farmers, mm -hmm. leaseholders these were, but leaseholders who had the guarantee that they could um, work this farm for longer periods, and if all went well, even their sons and daughters often could. So there was a sort of long-term um, idea without being very nostalgic, because the whole model also thrived on very poor cottagers who then had to work the land of the big leaseholders. So we but shouldn't idealize it. We should but never we idealize, it. but it's interesting to see that for centuries, these urban institutions, urban uh, households, middle class, elite, uh, they owned land and they developed a sort of long-term working relations with uh, farmers, providing them an income, because that was also, the rent was also an income, of course, mm -hmm. especially important in times of crisis, because we thought that food could, food supplies that, that could never be disrupted, food comes in from all over the world, no problem. We saw, it was already mentioned in the, in the, in the film, we saw Corona came in and suddenly these international supply chains become, these direct supplies, they, they were important to buffer disruptions, to buffer crisis. And therefore you also needed this close working relations between the, the, the institution, the urban mm. landowner, and the tenant farmer. Um, it's about stewardship. stewardship. That's stewardship, that's an interesting term. Yeah, yeah that's a nice word. Good. Maybe we should continue the history because it's very important. Wh what you describe happened until World War II. After that, there was something <laughs> going on. There was not enough food in Europe. And the European Union started to exist. And he asked Sikul Mansholt from the Netherlands to do something. What he already did after World War II in the Netherlands. Upscale farming, bigger uh, lands, less farmers, better um, educated farmers, intensified production. He did it well in the Netherlands. There was no hunger anymore. And then they asked Sikul, do the same in all of Europe. And so he is the father of the common agriculture policy, driving farmers already for 70 years to becoming more industrialized, more intensified, more um, and producing more, 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 more. But yeah, you cannot grow for eternity. And, and, and you can say the zoning model was actually an, an instrument to that, uh, yeah. what we discussed earlier on, yeah. making specific zones for, in for intensive and larger scale agriculture. That's true. But don't forget, Siko Mansholt was a communist. Until now, the place where he is born is the only commune in the Netherlands where the Communist Party is still existing and alive because of the family Manshold. In his mind, in his idea, he wanted to answer the Agrarfrage. The question, is a farmer a capitalist or a worker? And he wanted that government owned all the land and that farmers worked on that government-owned land. He also wanted to do that 
at European level. He did not succeed in that. But um, so mm -hmm. you think that, that it's quite a capitalistic way of working, uh, how agriculture is developed in, 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 in Europe, but in, in fact, it was more from uh, another <laughs> kind of view. There was another perspective yeah. that uh, was and not in, completely And in realized. the end, we see now where it ends. Every year in Flanders, a uh, thousand farmers stop. We have less and less farmers. By the end of this year, we will have less than 4,000 diary farmers. Uh, we have now, uh, I think, 22, 23,000 farmers in, in, in Flanders. And every year, a thousand less. So but what is interesting is that this is a process you described that, that has an economic, and let's say, the, the, the model we were in since the, po since the Second mm -hmm. World War uh, propelled this model. But at the same time, the argument that we, we build here is that the, this urbanized environment with small-scale uh, plots, because there's, no, there's not so many big-scale plots, where more and more challenges come together, will require another, another model, an adaptation, uh, you could say, uh, of agriculture uh, to, a, to, a, to the old and at the same time new climate uh, yeah. uh, and sustainability regime. And it is very important why I was telling about Mansolt is saying mm -hmm. it's not a stupid question. If, if uh, I uh, say to, to in, in, in mainstream tables with the mainstream politicians and um, people from our agricultural institutes and, and, and uh, administration, if I would say, oh, does a farmer need to own his land? Mm -hmm. Everybody will laugh. Be sure that they will look at you and say, oh. But it is a good question. Does a farmer need to own his land? A farmer needs to have an income. A farmer needs to produce food. And a farmer, I think, needs also to be an, an, um, a countryside entrepreneur, making some way, somehow, a business model of the values he can find in this attractive countryside, because if it wasn't that attractive, there would not be so many blue areas on this map, because that means that all these people are interested in that mm -hmm. very important countryside to do something. So if you are a real entrepreneur, then you will think, oh, I smell a business model. Mm -hmm. So let's do something with that. You were you're doubting? Uh, I have an argument. Uh, <laughs> uh, f for one, um, uh, in, in the Netherlands, we have uh, the Flevopolder, yeah. uh, one of the provinces of uh, the a Netherlands. newly built polder, where yes, in fact... Yes, and a lot of uh, land is owned by the government, still owned by the government. And uh, they uh, issue... Uh, it, it's been uh, leased to farmers. Mm -hmm most expensive uh, land to farm on. Okay. So maybe it's not... So uh, it's not a guarantee that when the government owns the land that there's a space for a new agricultural no, model. No, <laughs> Maybe in the future, but it, it is not <coughs> right now. Um, and if you talk about stewardship, um, ownership can be uh, of importance. Because if you own the land, you want to uh, maintain it, make it healthy. Uh, you see now that uh, where uh, pieces of land can be uh, mm -hmm. uh, leased for, say, a year, sometimes five years, um, farmers do not feel the 
urgency to invest in their soil. Mm -hmm. So ownership can be a way of yeah. stewardship. But do you need private ownership or can you mm. also find a sort of, I think farmers need a sort of long-term guarantee that they can use that land. Perhaps they do not necessarily need the, the private title. title of owning that land because that's... Well, if I can summarize, your the, the crucial thing is this stewardship role. Yes. Um, whether it's via ownership or via another form of longer-term uh, mm. right of use. I think mm. the, the longer term The longer is term is important. essential, eh? so yeah. not, not the quick hit and run, you could yeah. say. Mm -hmm. eh? So that I think is... What, I, what is interesting is, I, is that we're, we're adding up. Eh? You gave many examples mm -hmm. with, the, with, the, with the farmers. We're, we're, we're looking at the, the broader framework. We're actually saying there's... For what we see as a potential, there's a lot of space. We see a lot of uh, a movement, you said, of experimentation with new economic models directly with consumers, with new land use uh, models, eh, montages, um, with new uh, coalitions between public uh, owners, uh, private owners of land, uh, and so on. Mm -hmm. So the, the question is maybe how do we how do we see this together? And, and we mentioned a lot of examples uh, uh, from uh, you as an example, Kurt, to uh, to the Dutch examples, the historical examples. Also on the online platform, uh, there's actually examples that are uh, regrouped and regrouped in a landscape drawing. And Bram will uh, guide us uh, through this landscape yes. drawing. <coughs> uh, within the workspace, we also have a building site. We've called it. It's a drawing that is in constant evolution but in which we want to um, dive deeper into uh, what we call building blocks uh, for change. So the, here we made a drawing of what if farmers uh, and owners of nature reserve join forces. So this is uh, based on Bolhuis, which is also mentioned uh, below as a concrete example and which guides you to uh, more of Kurt, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but also, for example, the Heerenboeren um, example <coughs> of uh, combining private individuals and farmers to join forces like that. Uh, I maybe want to add some others that weren't mentioned in the debate. Uh, for example, what about um, public services? Uh, in this case, uh, the AZ Zeno in Knokke, who collaborates with the CSA farmer in the vicinity to combine their own need for locally sustainably produced foods as a specific diet to their patients uh, in collaboration with a nearby uh, with farmer. a hospital collaborating with yes. a farmer. Yeah. Yes. Um, or the um, increasing. Um, Trend you also see where you see an integration of wholesalers like Colrade, for example, who is in, uh, increasingly interested in uh, owning land, same as Carrefour, um, as a bigger player in, uh, in the market field uh, who is interested in um, um, investing in, locally in land for locally produced food, up till um, the which we also didn't tackle what uh, opportunities um, public land could offer, for example, in farm starts, startup, testing grounds, intermediate uh, phases in the education of uh, new uh, or um, uh, transforming farmers. The school for future farmers. Eh? Yes, you could say that like that. Um, and um, yeah, when you scroll, uh, it's a starting point, as I mentioned, but we try to document uh, each of these um, uh, building blocks by concrete examples. Uh, Bolle is... Uh, is uh, omnipresent, but also Boerenbrussel-Pezaum and Azetzeno, as I mentioned before. Boerenbrussel-Pezaum is this uh, farm start collective, um, public and private, in the, in between the Pajottenland and the Brussels uh, city centre. 
Um, and also the question in the debate that, um, as I mentioned before, uh, at Silverlane uh, caused uh, when Colrit started to invest in land up till the Wervehoef, which is a collaboration between an um, um, housing development group and uh, the Landgenoten, an uh, access to land organization for uh, organic farmers, which, which is also mentioned here. So what, thank you, Bram. Uh, what, what, what the goal of this mapping is, is not to map all initiatives as you, you start to see, but to start to, yeah, to, to compose, you could say, a landscape where suddenly all these interstitial spaces, sometimes larger portions of land owned by private or large private or larger public uh, entities, sometimes smaller portions of land, sometimes economic chains. Mm -hmm. But in fact, if we if we worked in this exploration on, on food parks, we saw that, uh, that, that on a lot of domains there are no, there's knowledge, there's micro breakthroughs uh, uh, that are generated, but if you compose them, if you bring them together, the question that arises is why not? Why not to, to learn from this and say we need an environment to, to accelerate this? Um, and also uh, a farmer like uh, Tom Tronbeeks from uh, Boer & Company, um, actually he, he expressed it well, like what you also just said. Can't we, uh, it's risky maybe, but can't we open up the space to, to see new constellations of farmers, farming practices you could say, the, the activity of farming and other uh, landowners. So I'm, I'm curious, do, do you think this, uh, do you see also these risks? Um, of, of deconnecting it, or, or do you see less of these risks? Because it's, it's an axioma. Uh, you said people were, would be laughing. So why is that? What is the underlying logic? Uh, is it because of the model since the Second World War? That's a bit <laughs> an abstract. What's the... Well, I, I should answer with uh, follow the money. If you look to history... That's your advice to me? Or no, no, it's <laughs> not, not, not my advice, completely not. It's, it's just, if I look back and look to history, I see that follow the money is mostly the answer to most of the questions. Why is happening what has happened? Is because what will happen is that what a small group of people will earn a lot of money with. And economy is not a really zero-sum game, mm -hmm. especially not the grow economy, but for one year we can see it as a zero-sum game, which means if there are a few people who earn a lot, there will be a lot of people earning less. But reality is that since this millennium, this is what is happening, is that less and less people will earn more and more and more. And the same we will see what is going on in agriculture. It seems to me that these answers are logic. It's just logic. The future will be more farmers who earn more money, who produce more sustainable, more healthy food. Yeah. Why is this not happening already? Because there is no much commodities intervened with this model. Mm -hmm. Economy is not earning a lot money with this because what we want is a circular economy. Farms who, who, who do it on their own, who work together with other farmers to produce what they need and they don't need to buy a lot from mm. the big companies to build those big stables. No, we don't want them to big build bigger and bigger stables. Just stay like it is. Stay like you are. Work in a sustainable way. But then Cargill 
Nestlé, Unilever, John Deere, Arvesta, won't be happy because they will earn less money. And who has more power? These mm -hmm. 10 companies who own together more than 70% of the agri-food market in the world are all those million and millions and millions of farmers and people. And then I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm quite pessimistic in this. this. But um, li li like I, I said, and you said, <laughs> you said, it's quite logic to go that way you were describing here. That is the logic way. So we must just. But you do can it. also you can also reverse it. In fact, because you say the, this this huge this, let's say this concentration of uh, power. Um, is actually yeah will has more and more difficulties to adapt to the new climate situation um, on the one hand and on the other hand there's a lot of other land um, where there's actually a, a difficulty the 20% uh, that we looked at in the beginning the new ownerships that we looked at there's there's space to let's say there's space that requires a, a framework where we can support many of these new farming practices so so i'm i'm still curious why don't we do it because we we still have a an, a system where we have an electoral system i would say where local welfare local chains um, are also crucial in from a health perspective from a climate perspective so all if we want to invest separately mm -hmm. money for climate separately money for health money for that will cost us a lot of money while if we find logics and food parks is a, is a proposition could we find logics where with these new local economic chains would be also adding to the welfare, eh, to the health. Uh, Ronnie uh, made it clear, eh? uh, loneliness is one of the, uh, isolation is one of the clear challenges. So could that not be a, a way of combining this? Eh? I'm curious too what your uh, perspective is, Tim. I see you mm -hmm. in a reflection no, mode. I, I, I Kurt uh, brought up the crucial issue, which is of course the, the, the big agro-industrial companies and their incredible power worldwide. In a way, I think in, in Belgium, the, the Netherlands perhaps also, they don't control the land. So there is still more opportunity because the land ownership itself, it's still relatively fragmented and there still is a lot of farmers ownership or ownership by people stemming from old farming families. Um, and that gives opportunities because it's not yet consolidated completely in the hand of a few players. There, there still is land you can, uh, you can work with. Farmers cannot pay it probably, but they should, um, yeah, through these coalitions, I agree, perhaps their access to land can be granted. Mm -hmm. It also reminds me, in, um, they, for a long time we thought that the old, uh, on a global uh, scale, that the, the peasant, the old small subsistence farmer is dead, so that every year there are less and less peasants. But if you see in Latin America, in Africa, in parts of Asia, there is a new peasantry which is rising and is rising against these agro-industrial companies. And it's the same debate, but, but on a completely different scale and on a much, much more contentious even than our contentious uh, place elsewhere in the world. Um, and, 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 and you see that the, the solutions are in fact the same. It's about access to land, it's about um, not scale enlargement, 
it's, it's making the land more productive in a way, but yeah, it's not about productivity, but, uh, but about production. That's a crucial difference also. Yeah. Can you explain yeah. that a little bit more? That's a crucial difference. After the Second World War, it was all about productivity. So each hectare of land, but also each man who works in agriculture, has to produce every year more has to be more efficient, more productive, that's growth, that's economic growth. But Amartya Sen, that's the Nobel Prize winner you might have heard of about uh, famine, he has written a lot. He said, well, he looked in his, one of his first articles, he looked at Indian agriculture in the 1960s, and he said, these peasant agricultures, agricultures with their small plots of land, they produce more food than these large commercial farmers. They are less productive, but they produce in total, they produce more food. It's very diversified, but if you add all the calories and all the surfaces, it's more productive in a way. So that it's more, it's the difference between um, what the land produces in total of food and other services and productivity as um, the efficiency of the product production factors you are going to measure. That's an important yeah. one, and if yeah. you add yeah. on top of that the the fact that this, this these other practices make also sure that they regenerate the soil and the soil yeah. quality, then you you yeah you can but also say there's more we potential. Have a, we have a, a problem in India. Uh, labor is not that expensive as in the Netherlands, yeah. and here um, we have to deal with it, with with uh, the cost of labor. Mm -hmm. That's why we uh, use machines to uh, have a, uh, mm -hmm. products that have a, a, a price that can compete. Mm -hmm. Somebody has a solution for this? Uh. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's a, a difficult question. And, and no, we are, that's what we, why that's we need why to make it. Here <laughs> and it's, it's the economy, stupid, again. Eh? Uh, and, and Bill Clinton said that uh, some decades ago and he won the elections. but. It's true, it's the economy. And so, and as I said before, economy is just a set of rules found out by some politicians. It's not a law of nature, like gravity, no. There is no such thing as trickle-down effect. No scientist has ever proven that, mm -hmm. and so on. So, we can change this. And what, why is our economy the source of our unsustainability? Is the simple fact that if I produce non-sustainable, the market rewards me. If I produce sustainable, the market is punishing me because I have more costs and my product will be more expensive than that of my competitor. And I'm losing in this free market how it is organized now. We can change that. And therefore, we have governments, of course. Therefore, we have elected mm -hmm. them. And um, how can we do it? It's not simple, but it sounds quite simple. Internalization of external costs and benefits in our economical system. To avoid the fact that after we have cheap uh, yeah. food produced, we if need to compensate with tax money. Uh, if I so pollute as a farmer with because I put too much manure, okay make sure that, that, that this is not possible. And if I 
pollute less as a farmer because I'm lose using um, compost and I'm, I'm, I'm treating my soil very conscious, reward me. And I believe more in rewarding systems mm -hmm. than in punishing mm -hmm. systems to change, to create a transition. What we see now is something quite strange. Market is saying to farm more, more intensive, more. And that's what he is doing. And then we have now government law saying less azot, um, less nitrogen, less phosphor, um, mm -hmm. more biodiversity protection, all these constraints. And, and that is like sitting in a car, putting on the gas, gas, and then on the brake again. And then you know the engine will go bad. But One thing that is important, I think, is that I think you're using the perspective of the individual farmer, but you're especially describing a system within which they are yeah. operating. And you're not blaming the of individual farmer. Not. Because that's also one of the really important perspectives or testimonies that we hear everywhere is that the farmers feel stuck in a system. Yeah. You recognize this as well? Uh, I want to add something, um, some hopeful news. Uh, in the Netherlands, just yesterday, uh, Shell, uh, a company that uh, is not really um, responsible in <laughs> for uh, uh, how do you S say sustainability transition, sustainability transition, has taken has to take account for for their transition. In fact, and they yes, have to go course. quicker. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, maybe there's uh, uh, it's it's a, a strong signal that mm -hmm. uh, companies and also uh, the, the 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 great players, uh, the massive players mm -hmm. in the uh, food supply uh, chain, uh, should uh, be responsible for mm -hmm. uh, yeah what mm -hmm. you would call there yeah. the the uh, pollution. You you do not. Uh but in fact, what, what, is in, what is intriguing is that we say there is, an, there, there is actually an, an, an evident path forward. There is a possibility to uh, couple things in a new way. And in fact, that's also what has been tested uh, over the past uh, weeks eh, to, to draw this uh, skeleton of what these new combinations could be. Bram, can I give you the word again to explain... A Yes, we beautifully we complex scheme. Yeah, we tried to compose it into a, into a, a concrete uh, scheme where on the one hand we have farmers without land guarantees. We, we especially call it land guarantees because some of them really have land but have difficulties in transitioning or in uh, extending their activity. And on the other hand we have landowners, um, both large landowners, retailers, local municipalities, uh, care facility, public services, uh, stopping farmers, as we mentioned before. Um, and I think um, what also this debate shows is that it's uh, interesting under which conditions uh, you collaborate. Mm -hmm. But I'm also wondering, because we've uh, talked about government in a large uh, sense, what the supporting uh, infrastructure, uh, and I mean then, not only regulating, but what it, uh, how does, does your policy and legal uh, framework, but also maybe the space for experimentation come into that? How can a land bank help? How can a farmers' organization uh, help that? How can knowledge and the experience uh, organizations come into play? Um, could it work together with the nature and landscape organization? What could they, their role be in alternative uh, land use and land use agreements up to uh, local community support and uh, protection? 
So um, yes, and also in the, that's what then is shown in the red. Um, what could be an interesting uh, logic of um, uh, of exchange? Uh, uh, land in exchange for knowledge, land in exchange for uh, uh, resources, uh, and so on. So a sketch that actually yeah, adds up a lot of the elements that we discussed, also a lot of the elements that we learned about by looking at concrete practices, and in a way by thinking of yeah, what, is, what are our strategic goals, and the lasagna of different goals uh, that you could describe at the European level, eh, from farm to fork, uh, green deal, and so on. So there's a lot of frameworks that push us to, to change. There's actually a lot of experimentation. But how can we build an environment um, um, where we could actually accelerate this? And th that's actually our, our maybe our last uh, uh, topic. Mm -hmm. uh, how can, if there's a why not uh, sentiment around this table, what would be the pathway forward? Because there's, uh, are you saying, you say there's a movement? Do you, would you say from your experience, that there's, uh, if you advise farmers, that there's also a lot of readiness to step into a new model. I'm curious to hear from, uh, from your experiences. And what would be the pathway forward? Because there's some, there's an important set of uh, aspects that block, uh, that do not unlock this potential. There's land, there's reasons to go for a more uh, multi-layered approach where farming can do things, but how can we unlock this? What would you advise to the, to the great transformation, to experiment? Tim, you brought I, us I'm, something. I'm going to, as, as my answer, I'm going to take my instrument because for me, the, as I just said, the, the, the future is in the peasant agriculture. That's to say, the peasant agriculture who is multifunctioning, professional farmer, but multifunctional, that's to say, he combines all these functions. And why did I bring this instrument? Because it's... Uh, it's a harvesting instrument, but it's a typical harvesting instrument from Belgium, Flanders, Hainaut, the Hainaut Skite it's called. To harvest uh, uh, cereals, you have two basic solutions. You have the sickle, that small instrument. It's very labor-intensive, takes mm -hmm. a lot of time, um, but it's very precise. And you have the skite, uh, which is uh, very efficient, goes very fast, but it's not precise. And in this part of the world, they use this instrument. I don't know if you can oh, see me. Our plants. But it's, <laughs> it's a combination of the two. You take the grain and you cut it in two. You cut it actually lower to the ground. And I cannot do this here, but you should believe me. It's efficiency and precision together. And that, I think, is typical for farming in this part of the world, small-scale farming, very diversified, not specialized in one thing, but very productive in its way. That's to say, one hectare of land produces a lot of calories and by extension also a lot of other uh, services. That's for me what the past perhaps can inspire the future. Good, and, how, and, and do you see readiness? I wanted to show this. Yeah. <laughs> we, next time we will make sure you have uh, one, uh, yeah, yeah. at least one square meter to exercise. You should with, uh, have a field, so you yeah. should uh, I see immediately that uh, Kurt is uh, bringing up uh, something else. Can you explain what you brought? Uh? Yeah, it's not a cereal, so you may not harvest it with that instrument. And I learned to use it from my father, who was uh, an expert in, in using that. So it's seems to be something from medieval times, but my father 
in, until he was 30, he used that. And he is now in, in his 80s. Mm-hmm. So it's not that long time ago. I, I took this from a field um, not next to my farm. And what is this? this so is it's from another farmer, in fact. You stole it from no, another farmer. No, no, from my farm. From my farm. This can be a part of the answer. Is um, like now in, 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 in the agriculture science, uh, modernization is, 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 is a good word. Everything needs to be new, innovative, and we need to have more computers and uh, more techniques. But I think it's good to look back to the past and to get inspired about the good things and to learn about the bad things and to implement this in a way uh, of thinking about the future. And what is this? This is the egg of Columbus for a lot of farm uh, farmers. It's just grass and clover. This is grass. This is clover. Grass is feed for my animals, which is very important, and clover giving nitrogen to my animals, giving um, um, everything, um Proteins. 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 Thank you. Uh, in the diet of my animals, which is so important because else I have to import this from Brazil and to mm-hmm. bring down the, 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 the Amazon forest there to produce soy and bring the soy back to my farm. Now I can mm-hmm. produce it myself. It's very cheap. I just have to sow it together with my grass. And if you look to the future, then you can sow a lot of different types of grass and clover. So because of climate change, there is always something going on. And also you give some place because I'm uh, not using um, chemical um, pesticides in it. There is some room for other, if you look back, a good right, other herbs, natural herbs in it to grow in it, which also can be interesting for my animals. And so it's, it's about the future of farming is look in a multi-layered way, multifunctional way to agriculture and try to realize not just feed for your animals or some production on your land, but look on how you can produce different functions on the same land. But on the same hand, uh, you see a nice soil, a nice soil conservation, that's good uh, against erosion, there's water infiltration in it, and so on, and so on. And that's, I think, if you look to that picture here, um, we need to create relations much relation. We, we need to break out of our boxes. Mm-hmm. We are used to think in boxes. Uh, a farmer produces food. A scientist produces knowledge. An economist is producing, I don't know. What Excel tables. Do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> a politician is producing laws and everything. Everybody is doing it in his own box. But we need to break out these boxes and listen to each other. And maybe you can produce some food. Maybe I can do a part of what government you are doing. Government advice, for example. Why not? <laughs> and and, and w- w- there are so many relations between us. When we talk about here, the real countryside, real open areas where there are so many functions, mm-hmm. and we all have to talk and to discuss about what is happening here and decide together what's the best for us all. And I think that's, that's uh, very important. Thinking together and deciding for the best of us all. So you see that uh, if you crisscross these disciplinary perspectives, that there is a potential to recombine those. And so th- I think this is this is the interesting part that is also re- depicted in the 
in the scheme. Um, you're actually adding something that is to deal with this very local situation of a lot of urbanization, specific types of soil. Mm -hmm. um, we need also knowledge of the specific land. Eh? So yeah, generic, absolutely. generic. that's what you meant also with this, absolutely, I think. Absolutely, eh? yeah. And, and to combine this, we need an, an environment. And in fact, food parks is, is, the, is a hypothesis. It's a working hypothesis to try to see if we can actually build this, this coalition. And, and there, I'm, I'm my question maybe again, because that's by insisting we can maybe bring up more, more insights and knowledge. But what is the next step? So if there's a lot of readiness in the field, very literally, if there's a lot of spaces where you said, the really intensive, relatively large scale is, is very difficult because it's spatially, it's too small, yeah, too much urbanization and, and so on. The land is too expensive. The land is too expensive. And we have a lot of challenges on that land. Yeah. So we have space, we have ownership of that land. There is a lot of readiness also with owners to make space. So again, why not? So if, if a movement is a description of what is happening, but how can we frame it? Is, is there a way that this is approached in the Netherlands or are you actually looking for the same? Uh well, maybe I, I can tell some, something about the new deal between uh, mm -hmm. uh, farmers, farmers and, and society. society. Um, uh, we uh, uh, had a, a project uh, which ended last, uh, last year mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, we tried to uh, research with uh, methods of research research of de uh, with design mm -hmm. um, uh, and we uh, asked uh, uh, ag agroecologists to help us uh, with this and uh, mm -hmm. um, uh, landscape historians to uh, uh, look at the landscape. Uh, we asked farmers to uh, help us and uh, we asked uh, 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 governments to help us uh, uh, with this um, in, in uh, three uh, different regions in the north of uh, uh, the Netherlands on uh, clay soil. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we did it on peat and uh, we did it on uh, sandy soil. Uh, sandy soil. And uh, we tried to work out uh, what uh, would be uh, when, when you take the water mm -hmm. and uh, a soil system uh, as basis, uh, what kind of uh, agriculture you you would develop what would be good for the landscape yeah. for the soil for so starting the, the other way around instead starting of starting from a, an agricultural around. model that needs space starting from the from the natural system soil and water and see what actually can help it yeah. regenerate what what kind of uh, uh, agriculture would mm -hmm. be what what would would uh, be uh, suitable mm -hmm. on, on which uh, uh, part of the the landscape um, and then uh, farmers would extensify, would uh, make their mm -hmm. uh, farming uh, business more uh, resilient, uh, work with nature. Um, and that would mean that their income on uh, uh, the, the produce the, uh, would, would go uh, down. Mm -hmm. And you have to have uh, income that from another perspective source. or side. Yes, yeah. so it could be uh, working with uh, water authorities. Uh, uh, you, you could uh, uh, hold the water. Uh, mm -hmm. You could uh, 
you, you could do uh, landscape uh, uh, maintenance. Mm -hmm. um, Which is very similar to what Kurt is in it's fact. It's actually very similar. But right now, it's not easy making money out of this. And in uh, the common agricultural policy, they want to um, make it more green. Mm -hmm. So uh, farmers who uh, d do a lot of uh, uh, nature uh, preservation or agricultural nature preservation, uh, they earn a bit more, mm -hmm. but it's not enough. Still, a lot of uh, th the money that's mm -hmm. uh, uh, going into uh, common agricultural policy the, um, is, is going to direct income subsidies yeah and uh, it should it should be a, a massive transformation yeah. so we're on our way you're saying I yes also in the common agricultural policy there's more space for these you could green blue services and we're farming that is adapted to its natural conditions and that contributes to the multi-layered uh, approach is is actually supported but not enough you're saying so we should push this further um, and is that landing in the ears of Dutch politicians, no, it's, it's or, not, or do it's we not have the similar situation? It's a uh, European scale. That's uh, clear. But we have to uh, agree it on it uh, thr throughout the whole of Europe. Uh, so if uh, mm -hmm. th there's there's some space for countries to do a bit more, mm -hmm. but th that space is limited. Mm -hmm. You're talking really about the income of farmers, and, and that's also what you said earlier on, Kurt, that finally things that the only things that work is when you find a viable uh, business model. You're also advising farmers uh, on this. Do you see um, yeah, th these types of compensation measures uh, uh, or multi-income, uh, where you have income mm. on your produce, you have in income on your role that you play in a, in in other, uh, or you have a direct link with with consumers. There's all kinds of components you could say that that might add up. Do you see a lot of potential uh, there in this multi-layered income system, uh, or do you yeah. see enormous difficulties? Is that the boundary? No, I, I see enormous potential for it. I believe strongly in that, and I really know that that's the way forward. Mm -hmm. We need a rewarding system to reward entrepreneurs in the countryside to produce all those things we need and we want there um, in an organized way, in, uh, in a good way of, of stewardship. I, I, I like that, mm -hmm. that input. And um, so I, I really think it's a way forward. And you see it also, I, I was just in, on the train when I come over here, I was reading in a magazine in a magazine of, um, yeah, the, 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 whoops, beet producers. Yeah. And what's the article here? Well, it's about green services is becoming adult and it's becoming a business model for farmers. A whole article, four pages about biodiversity, about um, carbon farming mm -hmm. and all these things and saying, hmm, it's quite interesting. So uh, are you saying things, uh, things are tilting? Things are tilting. Mm -hmm. And we need to push. Because if we don't, it won't happen. Mm -hmm. and, um, and the common agriculture policy mm -hmm. is the thing we can use to push our 
to put it back in the wrong side. And it was so hope-filled. I've heard Wojciechowski one year and a half ago, he was talking about organic farming. He was talking about um, more industrialization of farming in, in Europe. That's not the way to go. And, and I was so hopeful. I, I've heard about uh, what, what he said about the farm to fork strategy and the mm -hmm. Green Deal. And I was so hopeful. 25% organic uh, agriculture in 2030, less fertilizer, less pesticides. That's the way to go. But then, then common agriculture policy, the new common agriculture policy of the next seven years is decided by all the ministers of agriculture around the table and then is back to old business. It's just going money for farmers, for yeah, just being farmer. Mm -hmm. And what the agriculture... It's not a, it's not a seducing system. It's not no. actually incentivizing... No. It's uh, simple. People. It's a, a big sack of money. 60% is still going to direct payments for farmers. Just continue what you are doing. That's 60% mm -hmm. of the budget. But to something around 20, a little bit more as 20%, is just going for farmers to say, oh, if you're doing something like this, good for biodiversity, then we mm -hmm. pay you more. Mm -hmm. So where will farmers go to if you give 60% to the business as usual uh, model? And Direct incomes is not even helping the farmers. Mm -hmm. No. They just produce for mm -hmm. less money. It's clear. So it's for the consumer. It's clear. We, we used uh, last week the quote of uh, uh, we need the pessimism of the intellect, but also the optimism of will. Yeah. And, and I think that we're also this debate is a bit fluctuating between there's really serious factors that try to keep us in a specific system, but there's also a lots and lots, and they're piling up the reasons mm -hmm. um, and the evidence and the practices on the ground and the, lo the, the, the goals and the, the money it costs also to compensate for the externalities you mentioned and the effects of if we don't, if we try to zoom in like this um, on our land and its production productivity better, then, then we forget about other things. So it's tilting, so, but the question is, except if you would become the next uh, one of you, the next European commissioner responsible or a national minister, there's maybe also another way of doing things, starting from the ground upwards, starting from the, the practices. There's landowners that are ready to, um, and are even inquiring uh, what they can do to contribute. Perhaps we should make another map, because now we started the discussion with this map of all the land which is contested, yeah. where there are different contested land uses, but perhaps it's also worthwhile to make uh, a map of all the land and what its, put its potential could be, how you could use it, start from the soils and what kind of services they could produce mm -hmm. um, and then connect farmers and all other people with each other and, and making coalitions and see what wha what what could yeah. we do we and have and all this kind and then of we can, can discuss about yeah. how can we combine all these functions and then we don't need those these zones and those boundaries like on this 
um, for me, agricultural land, mm -hmm. we will find March Harrier, uh, and, and that's a very uh, rare bird we'll, where we have uh, habitats and, and, and European Natura 2000 areas for. Mm. And I've stone chat is the English word, is also a very small... Everybody at home will look up <laughs> now uh, what these uh, birds... Rodborstadpaard. Rodborstadpaard, stone chat, very beautiful bird, who is coming around this, this, this land eating their insects and going back to the nest to, to let them their animals grow. So you can see that will let, let us think about how can we, on, on that map, mm -hmm. how can we combine all these functions mm -hmm. and what role can mm -hmm. farmers ha have in it. And mm -hmm. I think that can be a very inspiring way. And then making this map... Yeah. Something. Yeah, that's it. And making this the map. The bird is being uh, googled. Yes. A very positive map yeah. of saying these are the places where you, as farmer, can do this if you go in that direction. Very good. We we are beyond uh, nine o'clock. Um, it means that, uh, and I, I have the feeling that the vibrancy uh, around the table has not. Uh, uh, two directions of vibrancy. On the one hand, please give us a system and why are, why are we not uh, enabled? On the other hand, there is a movement, there is a lot mm. of evidence. Can mm. we build on that evidence and make the next step? There's a lot of re re readiness uh, to make that next step. Um, I would give Bram one last time um, the, the floor to show us a special feature uh, of the online platform. And um, thank you, first of all, to my three uh, guests around this table, um, coming from uh, with a lot of historical expertise uh, and very concrete examples and even concrete tools. Uh, Tim, thanks a lot, because it, it really helps to, to underpin what we're talking about and to give models um, that are maybe have been maybe temporary out of function but that might uh, return uh, yep. land coalitions that have existed, which we now find strange, but that will maybe prove to be the, the future. Kurt, uh, thanks a lot, and we apologize that we planned this debate on the first uh, dry and sunny day, um, which is the first day that you normally would be working, I guess, uh, up till now, uh, or? No, no. No? <laughs> uh, I see you on your tractor <laughs> still now. The next time we will do it uh, in the field uh, together with you. That's a um, good idea. That's a good idea. Thank, thanks a lot um, for bringing in, yeah, for voicing on the one hand your frustration, but also the, the potentials you see. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's always a combination. Uh, uh, we see. And, and Shera, thanks a lot for traveling from, uh, from the Netherlands in these still strange uh, times and taking the time to share uh, the experiences, also the work, uh, the, the kind of pilot projects you have launched, in fact, uh, the explorations you have launched with concrete farmers. Uh, um, uh, it helps us to actually make the next step. As Bram just highlighted, this is work in progress. Food parks is a hypothesis. Why would we not, by 2030, 
uh, want to realize in this environment with landowners and people uh, wanting to work on that land that they don't necessarily own or might own or not all uh, of that land, why not create these coalitions and multiply this, find a framework for this? Because apparently there, is, there are viable business models, there are landowners that want to do it, there, is there are many reasons why a, a framework would be built for this, because it would help transitioning the farming practices, solve also biodiversity uh, and climate uh, challenges. So there's, there's evidence enough. So we have, with a lot of your inspiration and input, deal. and we have a green deal indeed, uh, with a lot of your input, we can actually continue um, uh, building the coalition and testing this with landowners, uh, with a uh, serious ambition, with farming practices, with organizations uh, that are already giving access to land, uh, and so on. We will try to make the next step and explore whether we can build this coalition, this approach, this acceleration strategy, you could say, uh, from the ground upwards. Um, um, and then in that way, actually, yeah, not talk about it only, because this is a conversation, but actually the, the fact that we bring it back to the ground, uh, that we learn from what is happening on the ground and bring it back to the ground is, the, of course, the primary goal. Otherwise, no, uh, it's a great conversation, but not a great transformation. Thanks to my uh, invitees. This was the second uh, Great Transformation session, the second in a series of four. Next week, we will zoom in uh, to uh, energy districts. Um, how can we actually yeah, move in the renovation wave? We have a lot of our energy transition happening in the sea uh, with windmills, but we also need to look at that what uses a lot of energy and could produce a part of our energy, namely our stock of houses, of existing houses. We're looking into how we could do this with a lot of experiences, people active in neighborhoods, people uh, looking at the technical side of things, and with this uh, we will continue next week with examples from Rotterdam, experience from Brussels uh, and Flanders, and very deep dive experiences from the neighborhoods around the South Station uh, in Brussels, and much more. Next week, Thursday, um, at 7.30, Energy Districts, Great Transformation Session 3. Thanks a lot for watching and looking forward to see you explore this online platform and contribute with all of your uh, knowledge and expertise and step in maybe into this collective endeavor. Thank you. <laughs>